Welcome to Being the Dot. I am your host, Dr. Stacy. This week, I am privileged enough to talk to our future children out of the mouths of babes. So, in the wake of the George Floyd murder and then the subsequent civil unrest and disturbance, I started to think about what it was like to be a Black person in this country and and just really trying to process that for myself. And then I thought, I bet you other people have something to say about this. And so I asked a couple people if they would sit down with me and talk. The initial interview I did was with Natasha, who will be featured in this episode, and her mother. And Natasha's comments were so poignant that it really led me to want to talk to more children, to see how they were processing things. And as a result of that is this episode that I am calling Out of the Mouths of Babes. So our five children are Kyle, age eight. He lives in Massachusetts with his mom, his brother, and his sister. He's going to the second grade in the fall. Layla, age 13, she's going to the eighth grade, also a resident of New England. She lives there with her mother, her brother Kyle, and her little baby brother. Chloe, age 16, is a resident of Texas. She is going to the 11th grade, and she lives with her parents there in Texas. Barry Jr., age 15, is Chloe's brother. He also lives with their parents in Texas, and he is going to the 10th grade. Natasha, age 12 and three-fourths, is going to the 7th grade, and she lives in Pennsylvania with her mom. Let's take a listen. So I asked the children to tell me had they seen the George Floyd video, how they heard about his murder, and what their reaction is. Listen as they share their reactions to it and how they managed seeing or trying to not see the George Floyd murder video. Here's Kyle sharing his thoughts, the youngest of them all. He got killed by a cop. So how did it make you feel? Mad. Mad. Mm-hmm. Why mad, Kai? Because they're doing this for no reason. They're not, we're not even, black people aren't even doing anything. They're just doing it on purpose. About mad and sad. Because they keep killing them. Some of the police officers losing their jobs and, and other things. What do you think about the police officers losing their jobs? That they deserve it. That they should get fired, all their money away, and they should lose other things that they have. You say they should get fired and what now? That all their money should be taken away? Yeah. Here's Layla, age 13, sharing her thoughts. I know that the cop um, killed him with his knee. I feel sad because he lost his life, and I'm mad because he was black. I'm mad that it was that it was a white police officer that killed him. And I'm, I'm also mad that the other cops that were on him, they were white too. And that he was the only black person. Oh, in the whole situation? Yeah. Well, I think that George Floyd should get justice. 
And I think that the police officers that were involved should go to jail. But what would it look like? What would justice look like for George Floyd? Yeah, praying for him and the cops going to jail. Here's Natasha, age 12, sharing her thoughts. I watched it and it broke my heart to see that America is, you know, repeating their mistakes. And I thought we would be over this by now. I mean, it's 2020, but nothing's changed. Um, well, for a while, I just felt really angry because people are like, um, people were giving the police officer reason to why it was right. But whether, no matter what George Floyd did, it wasn't right. He didn't deserve to die that way. No one does. Mm. So I just, I was angry that people were trying to make George Floyd the bad guy, even though no matter what he did, honestly, no matter what he did, no one deserves to go out like that. In my opinion, I think uh, this one, not saying that the other ones weren't, but I think this one was like really brutal. I hope I said that right. But this one was like, it just seemed, it like people get shot, yes, but most people like just get shot. No, he got choked to death. And like this guy was on his like neck with his knee. And then like, I guess people with, um, with people before, it was like black people especially were angry and like they weren't, they were just upset. And we kind of just let it go. But then this time, like, we just gave up because there's you can only do that for so long. You can only forgive and forget for so long before to the point where you're going to go crazy. And I think that's where the Black community and every ally and everyone has just gotten to the point where, like, we're tired of it. We just want it to end. We just want to be equal. I just think, could I be next? And that, that, that's, what, that's what breaks my heart. That's what it I'm sure breaks every mother's heart. Could their child be next? Let's listen to what Chloe, age 16, has to say. I heard it from social media. I was on Snapchat like I normally am because I'm all over my phone. And I looked at this thing. Like, it's the news. It basically keeps me up to date with everything that's happening. And I tapped on it, and there is this video of this Black man who was being knelt on by this cop. And... I don't really remember what like the person was saying. I just remember looking at like the video and kind of just like going out of it immediately because I automatically was just like really upset when I saw it because I knew exactly what it was. I knew exactly what was happening. I just like couldn't believe it, it was happening again. When I saw that the, the cop was white, and I saw that that man was African-American, I just kind of pieced two and two together because I don't think you'd see a white man kneeling on another white man's neck and that's that's not normal but as soon as I saw that I saw that was unfair treatment and I knew exactly what was happening I was definitely shaken I was definitely very upset I tried to at first I tried to I don't want to say deny it but just like not think about it because every time I did think about it I'd get upset so a little bit of denial but I was I was very sad and shaken when I first found out. There are definitely times where I felt like, I don't know, like it was like in my stomach. It was like someone had just punched me. It just felt like when I thought about it, there were moments where I just almost felt like I like couldn't breathe because it just, 
I didn't know him, but I feel like I feel like I knew him. Like that could have been uh, my friend's neighbor or my friend's something or someone's something. He was someone to someone. He was a person, and he was also a father. So imagine I have a friend who has a friend who whose daughter has just been affected by this. And like that's someone's life right there. That's someone's dad. I was in the game room and I looked over the, because I was listening to the news in the background because my mom was watching the news. So, and then I looked over the balcony in the back at the news and then I saw what happened. I didn't really, I didn't really see a video because I didn't want to watch. So I just looked away. I I listened to it, but then I didn't want to hear any more of it because I was just disappointed. That was Barry Jr., age 15, sharing his thoughts. An unexpected theme in my conversations with my guest children daughters was their thoughts about the police and particularly their relationship with the police and how they were processing what to do about those relationships. It definitely made me think about my brother and my dad because my dad has been pulled over before by the police with me and Jay in the car. We were, we were pretty young and I remember the cop was relatively, he didn't seem threatening or like scary. You know, he just checked on us in the back and everything was okay. But then I think that, you know, Jay is gonna get older and he's gonna drive and he's gonna get a, his own car, truck and keys. And I'm not always gonna be with him. And there's, could be a time where Jay does get pulled over and the police officer doesn't see a person, they just see African-American, they just see skin, just see every single stereotype and project that onto him. So when I did think about that, that did make me very upset. I love my brother, he's like my favorite person. And to have to like imagine just losing him and not, just it was that'd be really hard for me because that would just be very difficult. So it made me think about the black men, all the black men, my friends that are black, my uncles, like all of them, my cousins, just having to lose them is is very scary to think about. With law enforcement, I think there are plenty of them that are normal people who have horrible ways of viewing other people so since they've been put in this position of power you know their thoughts and like oh their thinking has more effect because now they've been put in a place where they can arrest someone they can shoot someone and not get arrested and just there are definitely cops out there who would look at me and see me as a threat or see me as a target and I just, I think that's very scary and very not good. That was Chloe, age 16, that you just heard. Barry Jr. has a little to share about this as well. I just thought about when I would be old enough to drive, well, what would I do if I encountered the police? And then I thought, why did I have to think about that stuff? I knew police brutality was bad, but I didn't think that they would go that far. Yeah, I was thinking about scenarios or what would I do if I got pulled over? And then I thought, why do I have to think about, like, what to do to not get shot, even though I just got pulled over? I mean, 
I know what to do, but I can't remember if like a few years ago my parents told me what to do or if I just do what to do automatically. Don't talk back or do anything like sudden. I wanted to get a better sense of what the children were doing to try to cope and handle the intensity of their emotions and what they were feeling. Natasha had an interesting perspective on this. Let's see what she has to say. I don't really know how to cope with it because, I mean, I don't know him personally, but I feel like it's just been too many people that, like, that are the same color as me. Too many people that, like, you think of what is next. I feel like I haven't learned to cope in a way that other people do. I've just been, like, kind of balling it up. So the littlest thing of dropping food, I just get really angry and I just start crying because I don't know what to do. Like, I haven't been able to cope the right way because neither me or my mom really know how. But for me, I think I well, I really want to go to one of, like, uh, the protests. I feel like it would be a good way for me to help, even though I can't really do anything, but it would be a good way to help. I just, I'm scared because I don't want anything to happen there because I know protests aren't like peaceful anymore. I want to help, but I can't because I'm scared that something's going to happen to me worse there than if I just go outside. Let's listen to what Chloe, age 16, has to say. So definitely um, prayer and music. Um, There were times where I would kind of get like the, when I did get upset, what I would do is I would go to my Apple Music playlist and I would play this song called uh, Total Praise. And the lyrics were, you are the source of my strength and you are the strength of my life. And I would hear those words and I would kind of like repeat them throughout the day. So when I felt powerless and I felt like there's nothing I could do, I remember that he's in control and he's not just letting all these things happen and just having us like, we're going to be confused because he has something bigger planned, but there's stuff along the way that we're going to be like, why would you do this? What is happening? And I just, in in praying and remembering that really, it helped a lot because when I felt like there's something I could do, I knew there was, there was one thing I can do because people say, Oh, what's prayer going to do? That's going to do nothing. That's not true. It's something in the end greater to come from it. So a question that I ask every single guest that I have interviewed up to this point is this. What would you tell white people about making America a more racially just, less racist, inclusive place? And they had some really good answers that will give you hope. Let's start with Kyle, and then we'll take it from there. I would say stop killing black people for no reason. Black lives matter. Say you don't have to be afraid of us. Because yes, there are black people who steal and rob, but there's also white people, Mexican people, Asian people. Like everyone does it. Well, not everyone, but like, Every color does it. And I just want I just want to tell them that you don't have to be afraid of us. Like we're not we're not trying to harm anyone. Well most of us are. We just want to live 
equally like you and just be able to walk. I, I want to be able to eat Skittles, walk in a primarily white neighborhood and not feel threatened. I want to be able to hang out with my friends and not get singled out. If a police car comes, I want to be able to like just do stuff and not have to be scared. I want to be able to ride in the car and not be afraid whenever we pass the cops. But I just want to be equal. I don't want to have to feel scared. I am a person just as you because I feel like they seem, because I knew a hundred years ago, they used to say, oh, black people can't feel pain or black women can't feel pain as if we were some different from what they were, they were the same. It's just the amount of melanin that's in our skin that automatically, you know, separates all of us. I just feel like, or maybe they do know, maybe they just don't care. Maybe that's just they've been told, no, they're different. No, they're wrong. No, we're not. We are the same. We just, is different melanin in our skin in the same place. I feel like there's nothing that can't be uh, solved with education, with knowing things, because I feel like, you know, since they believe that, you know, we have a higher tolerance, they're going to treat us differently. But somebody sat down with them and was like, hey, we're the same, like just really like a class, get a classroom and grab everyone who thinks like this and sit them down and talk to them and just educate them. Because if they don't know, they don't, they don't know any better. They, that's what they think. So I feel like, you know, just need to educate. It's been a lot more going around. I would just ask what's the difference between white and black people? Because I want to see if they could actually find an actual difference, not just in the way they act, but like a biological difference or what would make us less human or something like that. Thank you to our guest daughters, Kyle, Layla, Chloe, Perry Jr., and Natasha. If you enjoyed this week's episode, stay tuned for future episodes where others share their reaction to the civil rights movement of 2020. There will be an episode that clusters the experiences of men and another that talks about the experiences of women. This episode was edited by Jacob Craig. Special thanks to podcast interns, Amanda Gillette and Caroline Boom. Our music is provided by Jaffa. Being the Dot is sponsored by davisdeliciousdelights.com. davisdeliciousdelights.com. Custom-made personalized pastries, cakes, pies, and cookies made with a dash of Southern flair. Visit davisdeliciousdelights.com and use the coupon code BEINGTHEDOT for 20% off orders of $35.99 or more. Join us next week when I sit down with Dr. Pramila Turner, who will be talking about the relationships between Black women and white women. Episode title, Becky with the Good Hair. Thanks for listening.